This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined by Evan Grant. Hello, everybody. Evan, that was much more chipper than usual. That's very good. I'm glad you've been working on that. And David Moore. I'm nothing if not chipper. Oh, okay. You feel you've shamed him into social skills? That was your that was your goal of these it, it would take podcast chain, sessions? It would take chains and whips to get his social <laughs> skills improved. But anyway. Uh, so well, we're more gonna, of a, well, okay, let's, well, I won't respond to that. I actually had a line about deviation there, but we'll, well, no, we'll go okay. on. No, 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 no S and M stuff. Okay. Keep that to yourself. Um, so we've, uh, we've had one podcast this week already. This is our second that uh, we are going to talk about Cowboys draft, uh, because that is one of the few things in life until this morning when we found out that the, the Charles Schwab imitational, which, you know, I, I hate that. You know, it's colonial. Uh, that's actually going to happen in June. Uh, so that, that'll be interesting. They, they can't tell you anything about if, if they're certain it's going to happen. They're confident it's going to happen. They're not certain it's going to happen. I, I, I love the fact that they can parse those, those words. But anyway, um, the, we do know that the NFL draft will happen April the 23rd. And, uh, and so that does uh, give a lot of people some enjoyment. It gives me some enjoyment. I love the draft. I love uh, talking about it and studying it and looking at uh, what other experts are saying, what uh, from, from the limited knowledge I have of some of these people, what I think about them. Uh, and so we, we want to talk today about in a perfect world, you know, uh, in a perfect world, you know, uh, 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 you know, Chase Young would slide to the Cowboys at 17. That's not happening. That, that'd be that'd be really perfect for the Cowboys. It, it would be imperfect for a lot of other teams. But, yes, it would be perfect for the Cowboys. That's right. So in a perfect world, uh, we know how pretty much how these guys are ranked on most boards. On most boards, uh, the best uh, cornerback is Jeff Okuda, uh, who probably will go in the top five or six uh, draft picks. In the, in the perfect world, the, the top defensive end is Chase Young of Ohio State, who will probably be the second pick uh, of the draft, probably go to Washington, uh, which, you know, we haven't really talked about this. And I want to just interject that really quick. Uh, if Chase Young is really as good as everybody thinks he is, Nick Bosa thinks he's tremendous, you know, and, and I would pretty much take Nick Bosa's word on that, um, being a pretty tremendous defensive end himself. Uh, wow, that's going to be a pretty impressive defensive front for Washington 
uh, going forward. And that's going to be – and with Ron Rivera as a head coach, who is really a, a, a good uh, NFL head coach and, and certainly a guy who's put together some great defenses, that's going to be pretty formidable for the Cowboys for the foreseeable future, wouldn't it be? Oh, that's a dominant defensive front. And, uh, yeah, that, that, that group would – wreak a lot of havoc. Washington's defensive front is already pretty good. You just yeah. I, I don't think they get the acclaim they would otherwise because they're a sub five hundred team for so long, but it's not the fault of, of uh you know those guys up front. I mean they're they're arguably for an extended period they've been as good of a front as there's been in the league. It's just that they've been such a poor team overall, especially on offense. Um, uh, you don't, they don't get the acclaim I, I think they deserve, but yeah, you add Chase Young to that, uh, that that's going to create a, a lot of headaches and, and, and Dallas does have a good offensive line, but it's an offensive line that's getting older. And, uh, you know, you add Chase Young to bring that youth into what already is in place. And it's not a particularly old line in Washington either. Uh, yeah, you're, you're right. That's going to be, uh, that's going to give a lot of teams headaches. Yeah, that's going to be tough for the Cowboys. And so that the offensive line, as you, as you pointed out, is really going to, have to play well uh, this year. And, and that's a concern because, uh, you know, they are, they are getting older, especially Tyron Smith on the left side with his not so much age, really, that is a, somewhat of a factor as it is his back and other physical issues that have seemed to have, have limited him somewhat over the last few years. Um, so let's say here, since, since Chase Young is the, is the, the top defensive end, Jeff Okuda, the top def- uh, cornerback. Uh, the, the second best at each of those categories is is Kalevin Chason from LSU, um, and then uh, C.J. Uh, Henderson of Florida, uh, the second best cornerback. If the Cowboys could have either one of those guys, would they be happy? Yes, I, I think they'll be ecstatic. I, I think that right now where you where they're sitting at 17 they're hoping for a a, a large influx of quarterbacks uh offensive linemen and receivers to go ahead of them and and the more i think especially receivers uh the more receivers that go ahead of them the more chance they have of of one or possibly both of those players being pushed back to them now, it's hard for me to envision a scenario where both of those players are available uh, at, at 17. But let's say there is one available. I, I think Dallas would um, take either one, move on to the second round, and consider themselves lucky. I, I think, uh, you know, it, it's an interesting debate. Just, just to say if they did have both, uh, would they prefer Chason or Henderson? Um, you know, Henderson's outstanding, and uh, he, he's so good in coverage. He has good size. Um, he has a, you know, he, he's shown an ability to make some plays, and certainly with where they are at cornerback, you, you go beyond this season, there's only one cornerback they have that is signed on the roster next year, and that's Anthony Brown. Uh, even the other guys they have going into this season are coming up. Uh, they're on one-year deals, so – uh, they need to come out of this draft with a starting corner. And you're going to have to take that in either the first or the second round. Having And I do think that Henderson is probably the more likely of the two. If either one is going to be there, it's probably more likely. But Chason, again, that traditionally there's a bigger drop of premium pass rushers. And once you go down a level, 
there's a noticeable drop off, even more so than at corner. And, and that's the case here. And you can say, well, um, yeah, we know Dallas needs help on the defensive front, but, you know, they have Randy Gregory and, and Alden Smith in a position, uh, you know, once the commissioner reinstates them, they'll be back. Well, that's the key. Once the commissioner reinstates them, uh, neither one is eligible to play at the moment. Um, you're, while it appears that there's a good chance both will be able to return to the league and play for the Cowboys, there are no guarantees. So suddenly you look up and you say that doesn't come through. And then who's your starting other starting defensive end? And so I think really if both were there, they would probably lean chase on just because uh, of the premium you place on a pass rusher. And they would still feel they could get a corner who could step in for them in the second round and start. Uh, if, you, if you flip that, I don't know that you can get a defensive uh, end or a pressure player at where they pick at number 51 in the second round that you could project would be able to step in and, and start for them this coming season. So, uh, yeah, they would take either one of those guys. I, my belief is they probably have Chase on rated slightly ahead of Henderson, um, and that's how it would go. Having said all of that, now let's look at the most likely scenario, which is both of those players are off the board. Then what do you do? Yeah, I think there's a really good chance that they are both gone uh, simply because, look, the most important positions in football are obviously quarterback, left tackle, defensive end, and cornerback. Those are those are the positions that are the hardest to find skilled players. You know, as, as we know, I believe there are fewer cornerbacks in the Pro Football Hall of Fame than any other position. It's just hard to find those kinds of players. And I and I was doing some research last week uh, for a column I wrote, and I was going over position by position what the Cowboys have drafted uh, in the Jerry Jones era. They have drafted in the first round. They have drafted more defensive ends than anything else. Now, it's not as much lately, but you will remember, if we'll go back in 94, Shante Carver. In 98, Greg Ellis instead of Randy Moss. Uh, in 99, Ebenezer Ekebon. In, uh, in uh, 2005, I'm counting DeMarcus Ware as a defensive end, even though they listed him as a linebacker at the time. In 2007, Anthony Spencer. Then there was another – then there was a 10-year wait after several of those guys were obviously either either bust or, of course, you have one Hall of Famer in DeMarcus Ware. You have one very good player in Greg Ellis. The rest, real quickly, let me insert – yeah, it was a 10-year wait, but also – that's where this, the, the rookie salary cap changed with the new collective bargaining, and they flipped it, and they started drafting offensive linemen in the first round, which is something they hadn't done under Jerry Jones because it really wasn't cost-efficient before. But when the, when the rookie wage scale kind of went down, in their mind, they could justify drafting offensive linemen. So then they shifted, and that's where you saw the period where they were taking all these offensive linemen. But, yeah, go on to your next no, that's a very good point, and obviously that's where they had some of their greatest success sure. was drafting those offensive linemen, uh, three of them who have become the stalwarts on that team. Uh, and then, of course, Taco Charlton in 2017, bust. So um, that's, that's a lot of capital spent on defensive ends in the Jerry Jones era, and, it, and it's just I, – I believe really finding defensive ends isn't as hard as finding quarterbacks, but it – but it's a it's second, I believe, to that. How many how many guys do you see 
uh, th there have been, obviously, in the last few years, the Bosa brothers uh, come to mind, obviously, two guys who stepped right in, and at least when Joey's healthy, was very good and played at a Pro Bowl level. But not a lot of guys who have, who, who stepped right in and were just great right away. Usually it, it takes a year or two. Demarcus Lawrence is not a first-round pick. He's a second-rounder. But a perfect example of a guy that was didn't make a great impact his first or second year, and then all of a sudden he was a very good player. It just seems like it takes a while for these defensive ends, for the most part, to make an impact. Well, yeah, the, the, the offensive linemen they're facing are a lot bigger and a lot more athletic than they faced week in and week out in college, which is usually a, a big issue. Um, but, but the game is changing a little bit because I don't know that they're, you know, because of, of the passing, I, I don't know that uh, your, your offensive linemen coming into the league look a little bit different than they did before, too. So it's, it, it's always a, a pendulum effect. Uh, you've had a few guys that have come in and had a dramatic impact at defensive end in recent years, but but you're right. By and large, is is you may have one or two, but that's the exception. And you have more corners that can come in and start. Or um, and, and look, so many teams are playing three wide receiver sets. I mean, you have three starting like you know corners a lot of times as well. So, uh, but you're seeing more corners that can step in and and do the job. And again, go back to what you have in the college game. It's such a passing-oriented game. Uh, you're developing, you know, some more – they're just more corners. I mean, the game – talent develops along how the game is played. And so, um, yeah, they, that's where they're going to lean. That's what they want to do. Um, but that also means that's what other teams want to do. And Atlanta's in that range. And anyone, you look at anyone, I think, from 15 to 22, they're all sitting there going, you know, and it's going to depend on how much they, they like Chase on and Henderson. But, but all of those teams in that 15 to 22 range are going to say, look, this guy is really at the end of our first round grade board. Uh, let's jump up and get him. Uh, we're willing to give up a, uh, a third or a fourth in order to do it because we'd rather have a guy – who we believe has potential Pro Bowl potential, then then get a starter who we like but doesn't have the ceiling that either of these guys do. So it's going to be and and I think Dallas is going to have that decision too when they're sitting there at 17, and and they see both of those guys. Let's say both of those guys are available at 13, but they're convinced they're not going to get to him at 17. What would Dallas be willing to give to move up a couple of spots to do that, or are they more inclined to stay put or are they more inclined to move back and pick up another uh, an additional pick in the uh, third or fourth round to, to supplement their defense? Now, Evan, you're an SEC guy. Before we get to the David's question about moving around in the first round, uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, uh, Xavier McKinney, the Alabama safety, is considered uh, – he certainly thinks he's the best safety on the board uh, and has, got, has taken issue with uh, Mel Kuyper about the fact that Mel didn't have him listed number one. Uh, how would you feel about drafting uh, a safety like uh, Xavier McKinney uh, with the 17th pick? Or do you think the Cowboys uh, should move up or move back? Well, I, I think the question, just looking at some mocks, it, it, it looks like most, most of the mocks that I've looked at look like Henderson goes before the Cowboys. And there's, there seems to be some – a lot of scenarios in which Chase on is still there. Uh, and I guess I'd answer that question with a question, which was, David, if Chase on's there, he's, he's the pick. That's a no-brainer. 
I wouldn't say a no-brainer, but from what I've been able, able to gather, yeah, they like him a lot. And if he was there, um, it, it, it's hard to envision a scenario where they would go with someone else over him. So, I mean, for me, again, I think, as we said last week, for me, the, the most important thing is that they address, that they address, if, if they can't get a real steal, and I mean, we, we kind of kicked around the scenario of the C.D. Lamb fall to them, and I don't think there's any way that that happens. But if they can't get a real steal at a skill position, then you address the, the, the biggest need that you, you possibly can. And I think there's going to be – there's going to be an availability for a defensive lineman for them to draft. Um, would I take a safety? Uh, listen, I'd do anything to beef up that defense a little bit right now. Yeah, I, certainly whether it's in the secondary or on the defensive line. See, to me, you know, the question is uh... – and this is something that uh, our old pal uh, Rick Goslin taught me once. And, and before the uh, the draft, when the Cowboys drafted Roy Williams, and that was – what year was that? Let me look that up right here. That was in 02. Two uh, or three, yeah. Yeah, 02. Um, and I loved Roy. You know, I'd seen him play a lot, obviously, at Oklahoma, and, and I'd seen him wreck Texas. And, and he was, you know, as, as the other Roy Williams called him, he was Superman. Um, and uh, I believe the Cowboys had the eighth pick of that draft. Uh, and uh, I asked Goose, is it too early at eight to take a safety? You know, and he says, not if you think he's a Pro Bowl player. And he said, if you think he's going to go to the Pro Bowl every year uh, or, or be a candidate for it, then, then, then you take him, you know, and if that's the guy you like and that's the, the highest guy on your board. And, and we know, of course, what the NFL thinks of safeties. We certainly know what the Cowboys think of safeties. Um, but if, you, if they believe that Xavier McKinney is that kind of safety, and, you know, our, our film studies major, John Owning, I was reading a couple of his tweets this morning, and he, he had said that previously he didn't have uh, owning as, a, as a, a viable possibility for the Cowboys at 17. But the more he looks at him, the more he thinks that maybe he really is that kind of player. He talked about how uh, his anticipation on, on, uh, on things that he sees out there, the subtleties he plays with, uh, the, the, the things he's able to do. I know Mel Kuyper, even though he, he said he, he didn't have him as his top safety, he said he was – the best pure safety. He liked Antoine Winfield uh, because of his ability to play in several positions. He's more, he could play in the slot. He's more versatile. He could even play, even play a little bit of corner for you, but from a pure safety standpoint, Xavier McKinney was his favorite. So uh, I, I think if you can get that guy, if you're getting the best player at a position in the draft, even, you know, drafting 17th, um, and and we still think that that's a that's a legitimate first round talent, uh, as we know and we talked about before. Just you know, you're not going to have thirty you know first round talents in the first round. That some of these guys are just not judged that they they're just getting picked there because that's where the pick is. I think you have to take that pick myself. Uh, I think you have to take McKinney if you if you really feel that way about him and you feel like he's going to step in and be a starter from day one, then you should take him. I, I but. And I know that fans are really worried always about the possibility of the Cowboys trading down. They can remember the years, you know, remember the year when, when Jerry was drafting all backups, you know, that's all they were really intended. They didn't have a first pick. I don't think they had a second round pick that year. Uh, and it was, and it was a disaster. Not a single player on that draft stuck. 
you know, and, and of course you take the top off a draft. It's going to, it's not going to look as good as it, as it looks uh, on other years when you do have a first round pick, but still you have to be able to get uh, the best player you can get at that point. If that means though, if you trade down, you know, three or four or five, six spots and you could, and you still can get the guy that you thought you were going to get there at 17. Well, then that's what you ought to do. Sure. Well, you know, look, they're, if they trade back, it's not going to be much. I mean, they, they've got to come out of this draft with a couple of defensive starters that can step in right away. Uh, they, they've just left themselves too threadbare on that side of the ball. Uh, and, and if they don't, uh, this has not been a successful draft for them. Now, having said that, I agree. You still have to, to draft the best players there. But you can, to me, the, the danger is you don't talk yourself out of situations. And, and it's like, uh, you, you talk about moving back, and, and I have no problem moving back. Look, you know, the last time they moved back, it worked out very well. It was Travis Frederick, and they picked up a third-round pick, and they got Terrence Williams, who was the starting receiver for them. So they were able to tumble back, domino back a few spots, uh, and pick up two starters. One was a Pro Bowl starter uh, for them. So that was uh, a, a good use of moving back. But too often, look, I, I know there are sweet spots of draft, and and – and to have the best draft from start to finish, you need to be able to draft guys in their range, or you need to be able to have draft someone who shouldn't have been there that falls to you unexpectedly. And but but I think too often um, people get too wrapped up, or at least the public gets too wrapped up. I don't know that teams do, but the public gets too wrapped up in saying, "Oh, well, they took Xavier McKinney at 17." Uh, you know, he was rated as the 22nd best player. They could have moved back and gotten him. So they, right. they reached for him. So I'm grading them down because they reached for his safety rather than taking, you know, the best receiver that was there or, you know, go through the other positions. Now, my argument to that would be is only five spots and you knew you weren't going to get him in the second round. And if you were unable to execute a trade within those you know, four spots behind you where it would have allowed you to get him, then if that's the guy you wanted and you had on your board, you do it. And you don't care if people say that, oh, well, you know, that's the 22nd or the 24th player in the draft and you took him at 17, so you reached. Um, I, I think people are too absolute when they assess drafts that way. I, I don't know that going three to four spots off the consensus board to take a player you really like when you know you wouldn't be able to get them otherwise, I don't know that that's a reach. So that's a long-winded way of saying if Xavier McKinney is rated right after uh, Henderson and Chase on, on their board, but they feel he's more a 25 than a 17, and you don't take him because of that, I don't know that that's a good enough reason. No. So, David, then would you – where do you stand on advocating? Because I think if they're going to get Henderson or Chase on, they're going to have to move into the top 15. Would yeah, have- I think they're going to have to jump up. I think you're looking at – you know, I think 15 is a good spot to look. I think I think teams that want either one of those players probably right now are eyeing to get up to 15 in order to assure that you'll get one or the other. And well, uh, My question um, parts for you. One, well, advocate for that, and B – what do you have to give up? Well, just to jump up a couple of spots. Well, again, depends on the market. Depends on how many people are, are willing to do it. Um, if you're only talking about a few spots in the first, I mean, you can. It could be a third or a fourth, um, you know, in this draft, and you could do it. 
Now, but again, I would still argue that you need so much help defensively. Um, can you give up a third round pick? And if you do, you got to be sure that this guy is going to step in from like day one and help you. Now, I think either one of those guys, you can look at this defense and say they should be able to step in from day one and help you. Although I will also say there's probably there's more for Chase on to develop uh, to get to that stage than Henderson. I mean, Henderson is a no brainer. He's a starter. If they get him, he starts at corner uh, across from Chittabaya Wuzia and you just go from there. Um, Chase on, you know, th- there's still some competition there with, with who's coming back and how they shake out in the defensive line. And, and maybe he doesn't start initially, but he starts as the season goes along sort of thing. So, um, I would consider it, but you have to weigh it in the context of, okay, what positions are we not going to be able to fill the rest of the way? And now are we going to have to go back into free agency and, and sign some of these veterans that we don't really like just to like put a Band-Aid on a position and we really didn't get to address them in the draft? Like I said, I, I, think, I think Dallas has left themselves so thin on the defensive side of the ball. I think it's going to be very difficult for them to give up another pick in this draft in order to move up a few spots. So let me, let me ask one last question, Kevin. If, if, Chase, if Chase Hunter and Henderson are gone – uh, the next cornerback, not not next defensive back, but the next cornerback might be Christian Fulton. Where do the Cowboys stand on him? Did you ask me that or David? Either one of you. I don't care. I, I really don't care who speaks at this point. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice to distinguish between the two. Well, first of all, I don't know. I don't know anything about Fulton other than what I just read. You know, I will say that, and I know that Jeff Gladney from from TCU is a guy that. Uh, that the Cowboys have looked at. I don't think that he's considered uh, in the first round range. I think he's a second rounder. I don't know that he would make it to the Cowboys uh, with uh, a, a pick that high, close to 40. Um, I, I do love the way uh, TCU and, and Gary Patterson coaches up their defensive backs. They, they play very aggressive uh, style, very NFL style. They get up, they press a lot. They get up right in the wide receiver's faces. Uh, it's a, uh, it's a very intimidating SEC style kind of uh, of uh, defensive back play, so I think he would be a guy ready to go. Uh, but I, I think that I, I want to ask David this question about uh, something, a point he just uh, brought up, and I think it's a very good one about getting themselves ready. You know, in the last couple of years, it seems like to me that the Cowboys have done a very good job of patching holes uh, and, and and getting guys just like last year going to the draft at safety. They signed a couple of guys, signed one guy who didn't even make it out of training camp. Uh, and and they were ready to, to do whatever they needed to do in the draft. At that point, they, could, they had a lot more flexibility. I don't see that flexibility this year, do you? No, not to the level that, like I said, I, I'm surprised they did not come out a uh, free agency with another uh, corner uh, that they that they could have uh, dropped into there. Uh, that just really surprises me uh, that 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 didn't happen. So um, I I think they have uh, I think they have a big issue there, which is why I said that you know. They cover themselves at safety with Clinton Dix, um, which minimizes the need to get a McKinney or a Delpit in the first two rounds. Uh, So I I think they feel good enough about him and Woods back there. But 
they only have one starting corner. And, um, you know, I think they feel they addressed defensively uh, in the defensive front in the line the way they needed. Um, but, you know, there's still some questions at linebacker, too, uh, with uh, where you are with uh, uh, Leighton Vander Esch coming back off, uh, off of uh, his neck issue. So uh, that's another reason you've seen them talk to so many linebackers who have a first-round grade on them as well. Uh, they have to keep that in play and, and, and consider that. So, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think Dallas did enough defensively to feel really good about where they are. Because like I said, I, I think it's imperative. I, I think if they don't draft a corner, if they don't get Henderson in the first round uh, and they don't draft a, move back and draft a corner in the first round, I think they have to draft a corner in the second. Uh, because I think they have to come out of this with a, a starting corner. And I don't know that you can go into the third round and say, oh, well, we'll just plug this guy in and he'll do what we need at corner. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think they would have to draft a cornerback in the first two rounds. I think that's the only position that they have to take a player in one of the first with one of their first two picks. So what would it take to step up high into the second round to get one of the remaining cornerbacks that, that might be uh... – might be available and, and, and pluggable at that point in time. Well, and that's a lot of these guys they brought in, like, you know, Gladney. Uh, I've heard they like Trayvon Diggs a lot, um, you know, and he, he may be the top of the board after, after Henderson. Um, so it's, it's not going to be, you know, you go back a few years ago, I, they had to give up a third round pick to jump to the top of the second round to take the Marcus Lawrence. Mm -hmm. But Pretty good, he would good pick. Yeah, it was, it was a very good pick, but he was the last guy. He was the last pass rusher that everyone felt good about that they could project that should have a pretty good career. After him, it really dropped off. And it, it takes more to move up to do get a pass rusher than a corner because there are just more corners out there. So, you know, it depends on, again, this gets back to the, are you talking about moving up from 51? to 34 or are you talk about moving up from 51 to 40 and uh and that's where you have to sit back and see where the run is going to be you know uh you you brought up christian fulton earlier he's another guy that's going to be in that range uh some people have a third round grade on him but others think he's a second it, it, as far as the name corners i think there's a wider range on fulton than just about anybody um I think Dallas likes him, but I don't, I'm not sure if it's at the top of that range or, or toward the back of that range. So, um, you know, I, I, don't think, I don't think you'll have to give up that much to move from 51 to get into the early 40s, late 30s to get, to get a guy. And, and uh, you know, you have, uh, what, two, two fifth-round picks um, because you got an extra one for Cole Beasley. I could see giving up a, a fifth-round pick in order to, to jump up and, and get a, a corner that you feel, not only feel, but you need to step in for you for day one. I right, think you could justify that. If somebody currently in the early 50s, I'd also like to move up. Into <laughs> I would, yeah, yeah, I think we all sure would. Sure you would. Now, listen, I, I want to throw a little a little wrench into this. Because uh, so you, you mentioned the, the fact that Leighton Van Der Esch's uh, neck problems constitute a, a, a problem for the Cowboys. I don't know if Jerry really wants to think that because, you know, we know how optimistic Jerry always is. But this is something you'd have to think about. 
Let's consider what about if a, if a Kenneth Murray, the Oklahoma linebacker, another guy I've seen play a lot, uh, who has really uh, kind of moved up a lot of draft boards. I saw something that ESPN projected the other day, and I and I I couldn't even explain to you how they came up with this formula. But they were projecting these are five players the most likely to become Pro Bowl players uh, coming out of this draft. And Kenneth Murray was number three on their list, two spots ahead of Chase Young, uh, which I thought was pretty remarkable to, to, to say that. And what they attributed that to was the fact that, A, Murray's very athletic, uh, B, he's a tackling machine. He just – everything he gets to, he makes the tackle. If the Cowboys at 17, if Murray were there and Henderson and Chason were not, do you think they would consider taking him there? Well, strictly on talent, yes, but but then you're you're looking at a few other things, and um, you know if he was a pass rushing, if if you're moving to a three four or, or more three four sets, and he's a guy that you put on the edge as a pass rusher, mm-hmm. and, and he had that ability, yeah, but but I think people are. What people like about him is he's an every-down linebacker, and right. he's not necessarily a specialist pass rusher. Um, you know, the Wisconsin guy, I think Bond is more of that, that sort of guy, more of a, of a pass rusher. Uh, and, and Dallas has had virtual interviews with both of those players. So, to me, Murray's a little bit tougher call because if, if Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith have no more – issues medically going forward you're not only set at that position those are two two pro bowl caliber players but uh all it takes is for Leighton Vander Esch to be at an awkward angle to make a tackle or be hit and uh the cervical stenosis which is chronic uh which is congenital um becomes an issue that could end his career so they're in a very difficult spot there because, I mean, and again, maybe Leighton Vanderish gets through this year and next year, but then that ends his career prematurely. And then you say, well, what? And, and you look over and, and Murray's doing all of this elsewhere. But, you know, you also have, have to have the opportunity for someone to play to live into their potential. And right now, I don't know how much Murray would, you would project he would be able to play. So... I, I think it's a very difficult call for Dallas, but um, I I get the sense there are enough other talented players there at other positions defensively uh, that they would probably lean against going with him at 17 at the moment. But but that's one of the things they're talking about. They're they're certainly working through these scenarios. And here's the one I you know I know we mentioned this last week we haven't talked about today, but. I think there's a very viable scenario uh, where, where Chase on and Henderson and gone. And then if you're saying strictly, okay, who are the top rated players on your board right now on the Cowboys board at 17, if Chase on and Henderson are gone, there's a very good chance that the top one or even two players there would be wide receivers. But as we talked about um, how much opportunity are they going to get and how much, uh, value would that add to your team this year uh, as far as the number of times they would touch the ball and how it would uh, give you a better chance to win? And you would argue, well, no, you know, even like an Xavier, wouldn't an Xavier McKinney give you a better chance to win games this year than a third receiver? 
And yeah. I, I don't know that there's a difference maker receiver out there in, in my projection beyond Lamb and, and Judy. Well, the, now they're, listen, wide receiver is another kind of iffy position, too. You, you see guys all the time, you know, that you, that you think are going to be really good, and then they're not. I, I remember, you know, going into the, to the draft when Cortland Sutton was drafted, I thought I really liked him a lot. I, you know, he's, he's a big, physical wide receiver, great hands, uh, really making great catches. But, you know, I've seen a lot of guys, Mike Williams out of Florida a few years ago, a lot of receivers like that come into the league and then and they do nothing, you know. Uh, and so it's it's just it, it's a little hard for me to tell, even project too much on wide receivers. But I want to go back to something that you were talking about with uh, with the Cowboys linebackers, and I and, and man, I get it because the linebacker position is is a little bit like safety. It's been downgraded a little bit too. If you're if you're that uh, in a three-four, and you're the outside like Demarcus Ware was, and the, outs the outside linebacker who puts his hand on the ground and rushes, you know, as a pass rusher, that's one thing. But if you're just the uh, the prototypical middle linebacker type of guy, those have been players that have been downgraded a little bit and and, and look more toward the bottom of the first round, even the second round for those kinds of picks. But I will say this. I thought one of the most disappointing things about the Cowboys this last year on their defense was their linebacker play. I thought that uh, – and I know there were obviously uh, injury issues with Van Der Esch, but even when he was healthy, I didn't think he looked really good. And, and I didn't think Jalen Smith looked very good either, frankly. And there were too many times when uh, they, they appeared lost in the defense. Now, whether that was problems with the scheme, and that's a matter of coaching, and these guys uh, with the new staff – Maybe they can correct some of these kind of things and the issues that they, that they saw. But I did not see the same kind of level of play that we'd seen the year before from those two guys. And certainly you didn't see the kind of the level of play that we'd seen with Sean Lee before when he's at the, at the top of his game. So I'm, I'm wondering here if, if it's a possibility that Jalen Smith is really not a middle linebacker. You know, he's very athletic. You know, he, he, he is a, a good pass rusher. Yeah, I do like to see him in a blitz and that type of thing. Uh, but playing middle linebacker is a different animal. You know, you're you're supposed to be diagnosing things. There's a lot of there's a lot that goes into all of that besides just your athleticism. And I'm wondering if if maybe you know there's a possibility that uh, you, you take a middle linebacker like Kevin uh, Kevin Murray Kenneth Murray, and then you uh, and then maybe you move Jalen Smith. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you took Murray, that is what you would do. Um, and then, uh, then Sean Lee is your first backup guy at linebacker and you just move, um, you know, Leighton Vander Esch over to the weak side and then he doesn't have as many collisions as he does where he is now. So, I mean, yeah, you, you can reconfigure that. Uh, the, the other thing, but, but you're right too. That's the other thing to keep in mind. And now this franchise hasn't done it, but, but others have, you talk about when you would look at two positions that have been devalued, it's running back offensively. And it's that, it's that middle linebacker, every down linebacker spot, because basically uh, the collision factor of those two positions, guys wear down pretty quickly, even when they're at the top of the position. And you're, you're seeing, you know, a, a lot of these players not get beyond their rookie contract, that teams are like, you know, getting them, plugging them in at relatively cheap, low dollars, and then moving on to the next running back or the next linebacker. Um, Dallas hasn't done it that way yet. That doesn't mean that they shouldn't do it that way going forward. So, you know, I, I think that's uh, in consideration. But, 
we'll see. I, I think we'll have a little bit better. They're going to start going through their mocks uh, at the end of this week. And uh, we'll, hopefully we'll have a little bit better feel for what the thinking is and how this should uh, uh, shake down uh, next week when we do this podcast. You know, information has never stopped us from having opinions <laughs> no, about what we think. No, no. So, but that's good to know uh, that uh, that the Cowboys are getting closer to making up their minds about something. We like to know that they're uh, <laughs> that they have have a rational decision for what they do. And of course, as we've seen, they they've done a pretty good job in the first round the last ten years. Uh, and uh, I'm going to give them uh, extra credit for that. Even uh, considering Taco Charlton, that's it's been a pretty good track record over the last two years. The best 10-year period uh, in the first round of the Jerry Jones era, even including the Jimmy Johnson years. So, uh, and, I'm, and I'm giving all Will McClay all the credit for that, by the way. <laughs> of course. But, uh, but what the heck. So that's going to do it for this uh, Cowboys draft podcast. We're going to have more next week as we get closer to the uh, actual draft on April the 23rd, and we'll be able to talk about other things as well. What other things will we be able to talk about? Well, we're going to talk about uh, what's going on with the coronavirus and the impact that's going to have. You know, they, they have, they're announcing now that the Charles Schwab is going to be uh, in June. I believe uh, is it 11th through the 14th, something like that. Yeah, right. uh, there he is. Yeah. So that's, they're, they're, not, uh, they're not certain, but they're confident. Uh, so anyway, that's the, that's the plan for, for right now. They don't, they don't have any specific answers about anything, actually. But uh, but they're just throwing it out there. I would so. just say this, and, and we'll leave it with this. But if there's any sport that is uh, that could be restarted uh, in the era of social distancing, it would probably be golf. Now, no fans, obviously, just like with everything else. But it would certainly seem that there's a lot of uh, ability for the PGA Tour to kick up before any sports that involve anything involving interpersonal contact. Well, there's a lot of hackers out there playing golf right now. So that's what the, and they're actually saying, that's what the, they're, they're, they're saying. If these uh, Sunday uh, afternoon guys can do it, uh, why can't, uh, why can't pro golfers? So uh, that seems to be the, uh, that seems to be the, uh, the model they're, they're, uh, they're modeling after. So we need to get out. So that's going to do it uh, until next time. We'll see you. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.